and I uh, were part of a little retreat on horseback up in the Big South Fork National Park. And it happened to be the week, uh, just this couple months ago, that was 23 years of sobriety for Tim. Uh, 23 years, and I, we had, did a midnight run up to the top of this peak, and and uh, and it just hit me. Hey, Tim, this is your, you know, happy whatever we call that sobriety birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I was like, congratulations, and and then he began to tell his story, very impromptu, and it was I'd give it definitely a top five spiritual experiences of, of my life, just like listening to his story that night. Because most of us know Tim, the pastor, right? Tim, the the bow hunter, <laughs> could uh, kill a deer at like three thousand feet. Just he's just that guy, you know. And but in this heart of gold, but you know, as is often the case, we see somebody as they are today, and whether they're at a high point or a low point point in their life, we tend to frame them by that and not the 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 totality of their story. And so Tim, I know that first of all, thanks for being willing to do this. Um, 23 years ago, uh, you made some decisions and you'd been shooting at some different targets and missing the mark. And, but you made some decisions around that time that changed your life. Would you mind just taking us back there, the path that led to there up to the decision point and how that all played itself out for us? Be an honor. Um, it's always best that I start my story with uh, telling you who my dad was because of the, the father influence of this giant oak tree in the uh, Christian community. My father was a pastor of First Baptist Church of Houston for uh, 20 years or 30 years, uh, membership 22,000 uh, members. So I was kind of grew up with the 44,000 eyeball feel of people looking at, 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 at Tim, pastor's kid. So uh, I straight up, I felt very little uh, pressure from my dad necessarily to, to like live this certain life. But um, I felt it from other people. Um, now, I was the guy uh, that was, uh, I got Mr., uh, you know, this and that, most popular in several schools and best dressed and uh, president of FCA and, um, um, you know, scored touchdowns at homecoming and that kind of guy. Um, so anyway, I'll, j- I'll just tell you that not, I didn't know I'd cry at that part. Jeez. Uh, so anyway, I'll just tell you, uh, this probably won't be the last today. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but, um, yeah, so I went off to college um, and uh, sophomore year, I played uh, college football at a little school in Arkansas. And then I went over there to um, Baylor and, um, and uh, there was this drug that was uh, becoming very popular at the time. This is about 84, 1984. For those who think the young people who think that ecstasy just kind of came on the scene, it didn't. Um, so it hit the, the campus like a, like a bomb and, and, um, and, uh, I grew up really not drinking very much, uh, that, that often. Um, and, uh, I had heard of this drug and started taking this thing that had rumors that it was, uh, made of all natural ingredients. And, uh, at the time it was actually legal, believe it or not, became illegal fairly quickly. 
and um, got uh, hooked on it because I liked the way that it made me feel. And uh, the reason why people take drugs is um, because they change the way you feel. And, um, and uh, it did that, and, and I continued. And um, I started turning into this person that I didn't know anymore. Um, ended up graduating from uh, Baylor somehow in, in 1986. And um, was using a lot at that point. Not just that drug, but um, any drug, literally, uh, that you had. And, um, and so what I had um, thought is my insides are so unmanageable that if I go to seminary and if I am a youth pastor after I graduate, then surely that outside management life will somehow manage my inside. And it, and it didn't work that way. So I went to seminary for Southwestern Theological for a year. Um, I, I was a drug addict the entire time. I was uh, assistant youth pastor at a mega church in Dallas for several years. I was a drug addict the entire time. And, uh, there's really nothing worse than that. Um, to know what's right and, and, and um, have no ability to somehow choose that. And um, I didn't do anything weird or, you know, um, give drugs to kids or stupid stuff. Um, I actually hated it. Um, and uh, But there were, you know, six other days of the week. And uh, those were the days that I used and, um, and drank a lot. And so um, I came to the point where I was... Uh, I'm really sick and tired of being sick and tired, and um, and uh, I had left seminary, left youth pastoring, and um, praise God, um, because I had made a decision that um, I wanted to live my life for my for myself finally for once in my life, and um, so um, I did that, and uh, that lasted about th- three years, which is really wonderful that it was that short because um, I came hard down fast and um, I cried out you know every time I used and and got drunk and stuff I'd ask for forgiveness and um, I felt terrible about it but I just wouldn't go away and um, and so one day uh, I said please Lord please I was there on the on the floor of uh, Dallas and um, I had uh, been up for three days which happened a lot, no eating and and um, and um, sleeping, and um, and it was time to go to work. It was Sunday night, <laughs> man, oh man! And the sun was coming up. And Monday was on its way, and I said, "Lord, please help me, please, please, please help me." And He brought me, reminded me of, of a man that um, his name was uh, Frank Mitten, Fred Mitten. And uh, when I was 10 years old, um, Fred um, was my dad's, one of my dad's very best friends. And, and I walked across the den floor and Fred got up off the couch, kind of stepped in front of me nicely and said, hey, Tim, put his hands on my shoulders and, and, and you know, made me kind of look up. And he said, hey, you know, buddy, if there's ever anything that, that you can't tell somebody in your life or that you want to, to, to share, um, just want you to know that I, I'll, 
I'll listen and I'll be there. And, um, and I just wanted you to know that I'm like at 10 years old. I'm like, okay. You know, um, at 27 years old, 17 years later, as I was laying there in my drool, um, and tears and sweat um, there on the floor, crying out one more time. And I want to encourage you to um, never stop doing that. Never, never, never stop doing that. That's a lie of the enemy that will tell you that, oh, he's, you know, you've already asked him that 10,000 times. So <laughs> that's why Christ died, people. And so, um, so he met me, that man, and and um, and uh, he says this. He goes, "Hey, hey, Tim, um, how many?" He flew in from California. He was there in about twelve hours after I made that phone call, and uh, he says, uh, "So how long you? Ha- um, so, so what's going on?" I said, how, "He goes, how you doing?" I go, "Not very good." He goes, "Well, um, what's wrong?" I said, "I have a problem," and he said. Um, how long have you had that problem? And I said, about eight or nine years. And he says, well, if you've had a problem for eight or nine years, it's probably a problem. <laughs> I know it's kind of weird and, and a funny weird, but <laughs> isn't that true? Yeah. yeah. And so um, I began to get help and um, went into some Christian counseling. And, I, and uh, my parents... Um, uh, made me pay half of it, and uh, that was a lot of money, $50 a week. And um, and so uh, I didn't want to lie to uh, somebody that I was paying money to fix me. And so I, th- I had enough wherewithal to think that was stupid. And so um, he said that after about three months, he goes, you know, I kind of helped you as much as I can. You need to go into to, uh, N.A. It's like, N.A., what is that? He said, Narcotics Anonymous. And, um, and, uh, so I, I did that and, um, walked in there still kind of proud. Um, back in the day it was, um, <laughs> I'm not even going to say how I was dressed, but it was, it was cool for then. Um, and, uh, and so that was, um, I went in and out as they say in the program for a couple months, not sure if I really wanted it. And then, um, on March 23rd, of uh, 1989, I, I picked up a, a desire chip, they call it, for the third time uh, in about three months and um, been sober since then. Um, I remember um, I, still go to, I still go to meetings because I actually like them, um, because I can be really, really honest. Some kind of miracle happens. I'm not sure what it is other than God's blessed um, those programs that um, when I walk through those doors, um, I feel better. I feel a whole lot better when I leave. Um, alcoholism and drug addiction, they, they say, is is, is, um, um, is a disease that is uh, cured by by talking. <laughs> and I shared my story, and I continue to do that. And I did it a lot then, and um, and uh, I, I praise God for for the program. Um, I tell you, um, people ask me, "Hey, man, uh, wow, how did you, you want me to tell about my parents?" How'd you, Tell you what? Yeah. Let's do this. Because the, 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 the thing that is, I think, that's so poignant about your story, that is poignant about all of our stories, and it's something that we, it's good to hear again, is that God doesn't 
sin isn't against the law because God's some sort of a giant buzzkill. That's why he made the Ten Commandments, and it's not why he would say now in Romans 6, hey, don't do that, because he's trying to pin you in. Yeah. Right? If I, if I jumped out of a plane to fly, that's awesome. Yeah. But, so you're gonna... but I'm going to die. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so to, to suggest that God is being mean mm-hmm. to us, at least that's how I felt at Bible college. You know, I was like, ah, oh, man, I got no fun. Yeah. But what it w- was, because, you know, the Bible tells us it's, it's fun for a season, right? Mm-hmm. It's fun to fly out of a plane for a season. I think the picture that the Lord paints with uh, hamartia, which is the, missing the mark, is because if we are not hitting the mark that we're supposed to be hitting, yeah. we're hitting these other marks. We're yeah. hitting, and there are, there's consequences to that. Mm-hmm. And so... We've, we've obviously got uh, these arrows embedded into here. Would you mind taking us yeah. down that those stories of the the destruction that you had felt not only in your own life but in in the lives of those around you? Yeah, let's start here. So, so, the th- oh, here we go. so as he's as he's mentioned, as most of us have heard, as um, we have been in church, that sin means to miss the mark, to miss the goal, to miss the target. Um, I think a really good question might be, well, what what is that target? Um, and it it is to live a life um, that glorifies God and to do it with holiness in a way that reflects His character. And when we do that, it brings Him glory. Glory means um, to amplify. It means to wear a megaphone on your on your heart and on your life, going everything this is I'm pointing to 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 Christ. Um, so sin is anything that doesn't hit that target. And so somebody once said, um, you know, I, I don't really want to. I don't. I'm, I don't listen to anybody. Yeah, you do. <laughs> You listen to yourself, you're going you're gonna to listen to somebody. And so you think you may not be hitting a target, but you do. You're going to hit a target. So when I hit this target, the, the results that were affected by it. i hold that. I thought I wasn't listening to anybody. I thought I was being myself. And um, I was looking for happiness. Plain up. Plain, plain straight up. <laughs> Found sadness. Thought I was having fun. I was hurting myself. Straight up. Thought I was having a good time. And spent, instead, I was wasting my time. I was procrastinating death. Thought I'd reach for something that'd make me feel good. Got trapped. Gambled with my life. You lose every time. Start listening to the wrong voice. The results of my sin affected my direct family, my peripheral family. Would have never had this day at the at the fair 
if I hadn't shot towards a new target. You know, we all have things that are kind of easier targets in our life. What may be a target in my life may not be yours. Something that's always on the forefront is to bend the, the truth. Or Shoot, we got a thousand opportunities to lie every day. When I shot this target, I got, I became a pastor years later. That would have never happened. These three books that God's put on my heart to write, those would have never happened. God's using me in an international television ministry now. I'm a photographer. That would have never happened. Many people believe that addiction is kind of handed down lineage-wise. I believe it probably is. But you can stop it for your family before it gets handed down. Is that your dad, Tim? That's my dad. Mm-hmm. Is it, is, it a, is it a good time to tell the story of how that happened when you killed yeah. your father? Yeah, man. Um, my father, as I mentioned, was a pastor of a giant church. And, and um, he was a great dad, man. Great dad. Really great dad. I don't know, I don't know how he did what he did uh, and still um, make me and my brother uh, feel like we were so important because we were to him. So it really hurt my heart to tell him um, one day after I'd been sober about three months. I said, uh, hey, Dad, I need to talk to you and Mom. So um, we sat him down. I sat him down uh, on, on the couch, and, and I had to tell him the way that I had been living. And um, it affected my dad deeply. And um, I, he, he couldn't get off the couch. And I um, had to help him up and walk him into his bedroom and lay him down. And he told me um, about five years later that he, he cried himself to sleep every night for, for months and months with my mom. And um, I, what we do affects people around us. And it will continue unless it's stopped. And um, he's very proud of... I think that's part of the picture, right? Is you think we just think we're just shooting off into the wind. And yeah. there's collateral damage. It's, again, that's why God hates sin. Because of what it does, yeah. does to us. So again, uh, we can hit the target to, to follow Christ and live like... Like he has explicitly laid out for us, is pretty easy. Um, like I said, it's to live. The target is to live after God's character and moral absolutes. All these things that we know is right and wrong are all founded and, and rooted out of the character of Christ. He's why he says don't lie. <laughs> it's because he is truth. Why he says don't kill is because he is life. reason why he says don't have sex before marriage and it's pretty common nowadays that kids don't think that oral sex is sex and that's just ridiculous you need to stop and if you haven't 
started, don't start. Kids, if for some reason it's become like eating a candy bar, having a bite of ice cream, wrong. Wrong. Don't do it and stop. I slept with, uh, you know, during that lifestyle, as you can imagine, kind of, kind of anything, a lot of things happened. And when I um, married my wife uh, 16 years ago, I was able, because I was sober, um, to say that we did not have sex before we got married. We dated a year and a half. And God had um, purified my heart and, and had been... Without doing that uh, for years and years. You know, if I continued in that life, um, shooting towards that target, which I did, I may have never got to have that, that camping trip with Rocco when he was just a little guy at, at, at Boy Scouts because I could have had some diseases. They do happen. Hello? <laughs> They don't have cures for most of them. I wonder why. Wow, that's weird. Because we can cure a lot of stuff, not those. God says don't do those. I wouldn't have... um, Probably would have had an abortion, you know, or something. Wouldn't have had those mornings in the trees with my son, bow hunting, seeing the sun come up, talking about life, knowing that that's that's my boy. Wouldn't have had those flag football games in the mud. Those are the choices. And there's a reason why God gives us a better way as he describes it. I think that what is... um, We're going to talk actually, uh, not next week, but the week after this, about the... how Just just a little bit, you know. Just it's In our society right now, there's the conversation of... Marijuana. Why should be legalized? You know, people are marching and tweeting. <laughs> but whether it's alcohol being drunk with alcohol or any sort of, and my daughter and I are having this conversation, is it even in the scriptures where the word witchcraft is in the scriptures is the word pharmakia, which is where we get our word narcotics from. And I think that what we don't understand is that the consequence of it yeah. is the, the thing inside of our hearts, for instance, like you've got, and you may be wounded, and so you're medicating it because I don't want to feel this pain anymore. I don't want to feel like I am anymore. And so I am pharmakying it. I'm just brushing it away so I don't feel that way. And when in reality, the beauty of it is that at the cross of Christ, that his love for us is so profound that what we've done is counterfeit that. Yeah. And maybe thinking, well, I don't even have. Uh, I, I've been a Christian a long time. I still deal with this. And oftentimes, and uh, look, uh, you may not agree with this, but think it through with me. When he says, in your weakness, I am strong. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, especially when you travel the globe, there's people there that are hurting uh, emotionally. They've got a, a relationship with a father or something. That's, and it's in that weakness that drives them to do what they do. In your weakness, I am strong, yeah. he said. So when I medicate it, I do not allow him the opportunity to... Be strong yeah. in my weakness. When I decide that I'm going to uh, have relationship with uh, uh, someone else that is that I'm not married to, 
uh, and then we break up and then we, then the next one. And what I have done is I've started divorce practice. Yeah. Just practicing it because it chips away a little bit each time, cracks off here, breaks off there. No wonder our, the divorce rate, and some of you, there's many stories about it. So I'm not, this is not meant to be heavy on anybody, Mm. but when you start in seventh and eighth grade and parents, you might think, yeah, we got middle schoolers in here. I got a newsflash for you. Go next time you're at your kid's school, go in the bathroom and read the graffiti. They know what's going on. But when I'm doing that, I'm giving a piece of my soul. The reason that when we see a TV show like Jersey Shore or whatever, and they're just going crazy at each other and mad, and it's because they have locked their souls together, then ripped them apart, then locked them together and ripped them apart. Of course, there's going to be drama and hurt and bitterness and emotion. And you think, well, I'm not doing any of that. It's just, but I'm, you know, just a lie here or a lie there. And what I've done when I do that is I'm breaking down a piece of a relationship because yeah. now there's a wall there that wasn't there before. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the next lie, cause I got to cover for that lie. And it was well, not a big deal. And before I know it, I put an arrow into the relationships, whether it's with your parents or with your spouse or, and, and we could go on and on on it. There's, there's consequences that are beyond what we understand. And it's, again, it's not that God is not looking for us to not have fun. It's just that he knows what it does. Yeah. He knows how it hurts us. He knows uh, the, what it does in our relationships. And, and I would say this morning, and I'm asking you, Tim, to tell us how you made the decision. You were sick and tired of being sick and tired. What was it that put you over the top and onto this new road? Because you were pretty far gone. Yeah. And some of us in here today, you may, I read in the Wall Street Journal two weeks ago that the biggest drug use on the rise in America right now are soccer moms. Because they can't keep up with the other mom in the neighborhood. They can't keep up with what they're supposed to do. So next thing you know, they're stealing their kids Adderall. And then they're stealing their kids Xanax. And it's, it's a, a, an epidemic that's happening and nobody knows about it. Uh, of course, there are young people in here. I've had conversations with some of you guys. And it's, this isn't the heavy thing. But it's like you're just wondering, was it really? Is that, is that big of a deal? You know, yeah. We see that it is and what's happened to you and why the hurt and the consequences. But what was it that drove you and what were this, how did it happen for you? Yeah. Uh, that might be an example, a story for us to follow. The consequences happen because um, sin um, always takes you um, further than you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sin always um, leaves you there longer than you want to stay. And it takes more than you want to give every single time. What made me um, probably take drugs in the beginning is this idea of um, I wanted to be free, you know. And um, I was looking for, for that. Can I, I, I got to just tell you that there's, there's a script, there's a verse in the Bible, uh, Galatians 5.13. Uh, it says we are called, we're called people, we're called to be free. Um, but don't uh, use this freedom to indulge yourself in your sinful nature. And for a drug addict and alcoholic like me, I needed something to do. Here's a key word right after that. It says, instead, aha, great, I got a job. What is it? Instead, serve one another. Serve, serve one another in love and humility. And um, that's what I did. And I discovered uh, serving God. And I knew that I had started making some progress when serving became easier than indulging. It's a fact it did. <laughs> That's a testimony for you. 
it's possible and it did happen. Um, one of the things that I used and drank over was I didn't want to um, go into the ministry. Actually, I didn't want to be a preacher. That's what it was. I didn't want to be a preacher. And, um, and so, uh, you know, like he was mentioning, this pharmacia, this numbing, um, drugs, the uh, uh, reason why people take them is because they work and um, they're, they're easier than the other way. Um, and if I, if I, I couldn't stand up here and tell you that, um, that the other way is better. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be up here if the other way wasn't better. The other way is God's way, period. Um, the only true freedom is knowing that you're right with God. And that's what I have today. The only true freedom is to be able to have a choice. That's what freedom is. I, I didn't have, I ended up not having a choice. Make sure you understand these things. When I was doing drugs, I didn't have, that wasn't freedom because I did not have a choice. Nope. And freedom is to be able to live unselfishly. That's what I had today. Like I said, hear me, the only true freedom is knowing that you're right with God. And when I was living that way, I knew that I wasn't right with God. And when I quit using and, and, I, and I discovered the, this idea of serving and, and I became alive, I just got to tell you that, that, that what happened, man. I went into this mission organization called YWAM. I ended up serving, moved to Amsterdam, Holland with, with about a year and a couple weeks of sobriety. And in Holland, um, <laughs> sex is, prostitution is legal and, and uh, drugs are, are legal. I'm here to tell you, I, I, I mean, I think we're all tempted, you know, on, 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 on everything. But lowercase t may be tempted uh, to, to use or to go into the red light district. Wow. I'd been changed from the inside out. Wow. And I had a job. <laughs> That's all I really ever wanted. I wanted to serve God. I didn't know how. Um, and so uh, I, after I'd been at, at YWAM in Amsterdam a couple of weeks, this guy asked me to step into a band that he was thinking about starting and wanted to know, could I sing? And I, and I told him yes. <laughs> I'd sang in the shower, and that was about it. <laughs> and um, so we ended up uh, touring, man, around the, the world. And, and uh, serious, it was crazy. It was awesome. If ever anybody tells you young people that serving God is boring, then they're lying. Uh, serving God is a ton of stuff. Ton going of, to church and just sitting around, that's boring. That's boring. That's not what we're talking about. Serving God, going wherever he leads you to go. I haven't had a dull moment since we started doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Asaphalis, <laughs> serving God is boring. <laughs> no way. It's a lot of stuff, but boring's not on the list. And um, I, would, I would venture to say that if you're bored, then... It's very possible you're not serving God, so check it out. Hmm. And um, that's a red flag. And it says, "Instead, but in- instead, instead, serve one another in love." I can just tell you real quick what what I used to be, what I am now, and and how it happened. The, the word is, is slave, hmm. free, and Jesus. Is how it happened. And I have a real life now. And I have a family. And God can restore those years that the locusts have eaten. 
but don't make him. <laughs> Life's tons better the other way. And if it wasn't true, I, I'd tell you. I promise you. I promise you I'd tell you. This is a better life. It is the better way. And Christ uh, spells it pretty clear for us. Again, the target is to be like Christ, to his holiness, to be fully alive. Um, and I'll stop with this, but in, in, in Genesis, you know, we started talking, he, we wanted me to kind of talk a little bit about sin and archery. And I was like, okay, well, sin, I'm going to go to Genesis. I'm going to check this out. In Genesis 2, in, in the second chapter, God says, I'm not going to go on and on. Just stick with me here, especially young people, please. In Genesis 2, God says, if you go and eat of that specific tree, you will surely die. Pretty clear. Next chapter, Satan comes in and says, is it true? Could it be said? He twists it that, that God said you can't eat of any of the fruit in the garden. No, that's not what he said. See, for me, I thought living for Christ was boring. I would never be able to play or, or have fun. But instead, it's like a kid in a, in a playground where, where God, uh, where the parents put parameters on that playground. You got slides, you got swings, you got all kind of stuff. You can have so much fun. But the parameters that they put around there is for your protection. And once you go outside of that protection, that's when you get hurt. God made those parameters. Your parents make those parameters because they've lived there and they know better. The, your parents don't lay down stuff because they're, 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 they're uh, old, old word square. <laughs> just heard my dad say that right then from preaching. <laughs> it's because um, they want you to stay alive and you can be fully alive. There's tons to do. It's a great life right there. Um, last thing is that, that uh, just parents, if I could, um, I've given my testimony before and and I know that people have some parent, or there's parents here with kids, and I just want to tell you that, um, you know, if, you're, if your kids aren't living the way that, that you had hoped or that you want them to now, or, um, that the scripture says that, that if you will train up your child in the way that they should go, they, W-I-L-L, they will not depart from it. It doesn't say when, it doesn't say if they're, um, doesn't give much of a timeline. So you, our job is to is, is is you guys to keep training your child in the ways that they should go. That's through the scripture, and they will not depart from it. They will come back. It doesn't say when, but they will. That's the best advice that, and hope that I can give you in Christ, because those are the the Father's words. I think when we're left to our own destruct to our own demise. <laughs> which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be myself. That's when we begin our flight from God. Um, when we start following ourselves, and fortunately, like a good father, like the prodigal son, the father came to me. He ran to me. He, he had his arms open and welcomed me back. Man, I got to should. I'm, I'm going to totally stop after this. I've got to tell you, you my, my favorite, my life verse, other than Psalm 37, four, that's delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Whopper verse. <laughs> um, uh, my, my, sec, my second favorite verse is this. Okay. I'm going to, you know, your old wind. Put reading glasses on. Hey, I can see like a, 
an eagle far away, right? But I can't do this. All right, it says this. For those who, who, who think that, 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 that because we stand that, that, that God um, has left us or abandoned us, I can tell you that, that I used a lot of drugs and had a, had a pretty screwed up lifestyle. I became a Christian when I was 10. Sorry if I left that out, but I did. And through all those years of destruction, I'll, t- I'll stand flat foot and look you right in the eye and tell you that God had never left me, even in the midst of my life right there. I'll tell you right now, he did not leave me. He did not abandon me. Mm-mm. He didn't say, you're not saved. He didn't say, no, that junk. He said, I love you. I miss you. Please come back. Please return. I miss you. That's why I'm talking to you. Quit ignoring me. Quit numbing. Because I'm talking to you. This is the verse. It's Hebrews 13, 5. It says, for he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. In the scripture, they didn't have abbreviation. They, they, they didn't have uh, symbols to repeat like exclamation marks. Instead, they would prove a point by repeating it. <laughs> so let's, ha- let's see what this says. It says, I will not in any way leave you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Huh. Amen. Not a good Amen. Word. Tim, as we're, um, if, 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 our, uh, if our musicians would come and, and play, uh, let us worship a, a little while longer, I can assure you that uh, the path of, of making the right choices uh, pay dividends for the long term. We wouldn't be sitting here today in this environment if Tim had not made his decision because I had wandered into a little church called Ecclesia, Journey Ecclesia, which Tim and Edie had selflessly given their lives to with this little Bible study. And what other church in town anywhere in America would say, hey, you got this little Bible study. It's a church. Why don't you just go be a church? You're just literally nudging us out of the nest. You know, most would have tried to absorb us and put us under their umbrella, whatever, you know. But if that decision there led to us being here today, it led to those kids in India. Because Eric and Tizer Fadley wandered in here two years ago, sat at a table on July 4th, uh, almost giving up on church. Like, we're we're so struggling. Where do we want to be? And, And two years later, there are some kids in India who you won't know this side of heaven. But when it says that we will sit around the throne worshiping, saying, you're awesome, God. It's not because we're robots. It'll be like those stories all tying together. And those little kids who can't even articulate now because they've been held in bodies and those prisoners will be sitting around that same throne going, man, righteous and true are your judgments, O God. Because you rescued Tim out of that. And you, So I say that to say to any one of us in a moment that needs rescued, uh, accept the rescue because the story will go on long beyond you. And as we're worshiping, you guys can start playing. I just wanted to say one last thing, and that is that you might be on the other side of this, and it's important for you to hear me say this. You might be the one with an arrow in you because of someone else's sin towards you. It might be a Christian leader in your life. It might be a family member. It might be a friend or whatever, but the shield of faith that Paul talks about, what does it do? It deflects the fiery darts of the enemy, the arrows of the enemy. Where would those pray tell come from? But us, when we're hurting and shooting at each other, 
And so when I put my faith, hear me say this, when I've got my faith in someone more than I have my faith in the Lord, it allows that arrow to get me. When I've got my faith in Christ, it can bring healing, but it can deflect it because I can say, oh no, the same arrows that pierce me pierced your side and your heart and where blood and water flowed for that sin. The stripes that he took on his back for every time I've turned my back on you or you on me, then it's those, it covers that as well. And so those of you that are in need of that type of healing know that that's the faith in Christ, the shield of faith. It's not like we have a tinfoil shield. It's literally our faith in him will deflect those. As we worship this morning, if you are in a position where you want some help, uh, Dolores, where are you? Dolores works with Place of Hope, part of our body and our family. If you're struggling with alcohol or drug addiction, there's hope. There's help. There's no charge for this place. Our church is a supporter. I'm on the board with them. It's a great ministry. Come see me or come see Dolores. We'd love to pray for you for deliverance and give you a path forward. And if you just want to come up and just put an arrow in your old man... When we're hitting the, the, the target that Christ has given us, the picture behind that target is our old man. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. Come put an arrow in your old man. We'll pray with you today, young or old. Uh, me and Tim will both be up here. And if you just want to restart with that. And as we're worshiping, you'll see these little buckets come in front of you. Please don't let them distract you. That's our opportunity to worship the Lord with our giving. We've got communion somewhere it's in the back over here be reminded of that sacrifice of his blood and water that flowed from his side as you accept the freedom that he has given us father would you give us the freedom this morning would you open our hearts our minds to your word to the miracle that you've done for tim and edie and rocco and river that you can do that for us. We're in a room full of stories of your grace, your redemption. And we know it's because you loved us so much. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. As we're worshiping, Tim and I will be right here. Be glad to pray with you. Just engage with the Lord wherever you are. Stand and sing this with us. Sin is broken, you have saved me. 
Those words are pretty profound. 